0: This is the Data Privacy Detective in July. It's hot, and that's not just about the weather. We're going to explore in this, in the next episode, a very hot topic in the wake of the US Supreme Court's reversal of Roe versus Wade, the issue of abortion and data privacy. We will turn our magnifying glass to data privacy and women's pregnancy healthcare choices, and what individuals can do to protect their privacy. This podcast series takes no position about the politics of pro-life and pro-choice, abortion rights or criminality, or legal rights between the period between conception and birth. Instead, we will examine the relationship between how we share intimate digital data about ourselves and how this will affect future criminal prosecutions or civil cases as states are free to establish restrictions on women's choices between conception and birth. Let's consider first what data we create and share about pregnancy and its consequences and how this data gets collected, stored, shared and used by others including government prosecutors. One meaning of privacy is the right to be left alone, including the right to be free from governmental intrusion or imprisonment without good reason and due process. If terminating a pregnancy is considered a crime under the laws of a state, prosecutors will bring criminal charges against those suspected of such crimes. This will include proceedings against medical professionals, pregnant women and their loved ones, persons who assist in a woman's decision whether to terminate a pregnancy, and others, depending on state law, now that the US Supreme Court has decided to leave the definition of pregnancy-related crimes to the states. Digital Digital data will become prime evidence in such matters. What data are we talking about? Well, here's a partial list of what prosecutors will seek if they investigate or prosecute people for violating state laws about abortion. Communications. Very private communications by text message, phone that's recorded, email, or other means of communication. For example, if a woman tells another person she's been raped and doesn't want to continue an involuntary pregnancy that results from that, a text exchange about that can be used by prosecutors as evidence of motive to commit a premeditated premature uh, termination of birth. Visits to clinics and professionals providing women's health care. Through location data on smartphones and other sources, Prosecutors will seek records about these visits. Fertility apps. They are used most commonly by women trying to get pregnant or trying to avoid it. The information from these apps uh, becomes a digital diary of sexual activity, birth control methods, and conception attempts. Such data can become evidence in a criminal trial if pregnancy is terminated website visits to sites offering uh, abortion and women's health care services, abortion uh, pharmaceuticals that uh, induce uh, the end of of pregnancy with or without a prescription. Payment history, what a woman or a couple pays for anything that might induce an abortion? The list goes on of what data becomes, could become evidence in a later matter, and this isn't theoretical. Digital data is information that is bought and sold. Don't think that the holders of your information protect it from disclosure. In a 2018 New York Times investigation, A woman's one-hour visit to a Planned Parenthood clinic in New Jersey was obtained for $160 from a data broker who sold a list of all reports from phone records about who visited that clinic during a given week. No current law prevents such data broker gathering and sales of such information. In a 2017 criminal prosecution of a Mississippi mother of three, who was charged with killing a newborn, who may have been stillborn, 35 months after conception, the prosecution used evidence to convict her that included her web searches for uh, abortion-related pills, though there was no proof she had purchased or used them. In a 2015 conviction of an Indiana woman, perhaps the first to be found guilty of feticide, The prosecution offered emails with a friend that she had issued that talked of available pills that could induce an abortion and a printout of website visits to pharmaceutical providers, including one that offered sales of abortion pills without a prescription. The woman was sentenced to 20 years in prison, though the conviction was overturned on appeal. The Polish government where abortion laws are extremely strict, created a central database called the Pregnancy Register, where pregnancy information is kept as a public resource and can be used later to prosecute those criminally liable under Polish law for terminating a pregnancy. Unlike oral communications, any data communicated or recorded about an individual should really be considered permanent a trace we leave behind of what we do, even of what we think or consider. The Texas statute that offers $10,000 bounties to persons who sue anyone who aids or abets an abortion in violation of Texas law, encourages private individuals to commission dragnet searches for pregnant Texas women who consider their options and have communications with anyone else who assists women in dealing with their situation. In 1972, shortly before Roe v. Wade was announced by the Supreme Court, the Chicago police raided the Jane Collective, a group providing abortion services. According to the story of Jane, a history of the group, seven women were arrested. Two had index cards with patient names and addresses. The other five ripped in eight bits of the index cards while in the police van to destroy the information. But the day of index cards is over. Digital data isn't edible, and it's improbable that it can ever truly be deleted. Instead, it gets collected, processed, stored, and shared in many ways. Data brokers buy and resell information and can sell it to prosecutors or Texas bounty hunters. Now we should all agree that personal data about the fertility of a woman and her options in dealing with pregnancy, whether it occurred involuntarily or not, and whether it's sought or involuntarily uh, sought, is, is highly personal and sensitive information. His privacy should be guarded, or at least those whose privacy uh, is involved should be able to guard it from unwarranted sharing and use. So how can an individual safeguard one's pregnancy-related information? Well, the choices are generally the same as those available to everyone. To protect all the information about ourselves, we don't care to be made public. Or that might be used in some future matter by government or uh, individuals adverse to us. So here's a list of ideas about how you can protect your highly personal healthcare data. First, don't create digital data in the first place. If you want to talk with someone about a highly personal sensitive matter, Do it orally in a non-recorded setting. Don't write an email or a text about what you think or are considering that that might then be used later by a prosecutor to show that you had a premeditated disposition to commit what government may later uh, claim is a crime. Example, don't write your sister, quote, terrible news, I'm pregnant. Number two use fertility tracking apps and devices that are privacy-centric. There are many fertility and women's period trackers and apps on the market. One of the most prominent, Flow, FLO, reports having more than 200 million users. It allows a user to be in anonymous mode, so the data to identifying the individual user is removed before it could be shared with any other party. Flow's website states that it will be governed by user consent, that it won't share information with third parties, and that it encrypts information about use of its app. You should check the rules of any app you use. Apps that map things like how to drive to a restaurant, Need, obviously, uh, to have your location information, at least while you're using the app. But other apps about visits to clinics or professionals don't require having location services turned on. Check if your apps that handle sensitive data encrypt the data against third-party ability to identify you individually and know all of the places that you visit. Go to privacy settings and opt for the levels of privacy protection that you need and want. Don't assume the default setting is the best one for you. Most of the time, turn off location services. You don't need them for most apps. And set it to only while using when you turn on location services. And don't use it when you're trying to find out how to get to a place where you don't really want anyone else to know about it. Number three, it's not only healthcare-specific apps that carry sensitive data. Prosecutors and civil attorneys look for, quote, documents, close quote, first. And that's broadly defined. It includes emails, uh, written things of any kind uh, that that exist out there in digital form or hard copy form. Usually, someone seeking such information simply sends a subpoena that they issue without a judge's involvement. Now, there's nothing you can do to eliminate forever past email messages. But you can ask that past messages be deleted to the extent the provider and the system of which you are a part allows deletion. And for your personal information, that should be for you to decide. Be aware of the automatic delete feature that is coming into prominence. Google announced on July 1, following reversal of Roe v. Wade, that it intends to delete abortion clinic visit data from its users' history immediately. The Google announcement through the blog post of a senior vice president said the new policy will apply to visits to fertility clinics, domestic violence shelters, addiction treatment facilities, and other sensitive locations. If you use other search engines, well, consider not doing that anymore unless they follow suit in at least this respect. Include privacy protection as a priority when you choose your search engine and your browser. Don't be misled by offers of, quote, privacy on a search engine. When all it may mean is that your search history won't appear on your device, but still the uh, search engine will collect and keep the data. Now, it may be surprising, but retail and online stores and sellers and credit card and other financial institutions often know a lot about your sensitive information before you share the news with friends. This happens when you order something and pay for it. Payment trails will be used as evidence in future uh, criminal and civil proceedings. There may be no way to prevent purchase data from not being recorded or shared or collected one day by a prosecutor or in a civil case. But in Poland, for example, a pro-choice advocate urges women to travel to Germany if they choose to terminate a pregnancy and to pay pay the provider in cash directly in order to preclude the Polish authorities from accessing payment information. While no payment is ever guaranteed to be private, some ways of making payment are more private than others. Number six, for most data and tech companies, including search engines and other companies that collect or process user data, read the parts of their privacy policies that matter. One key point is whether they allow you to opt out of providing information to third parties or not, opt out of their doing that. Another is whether they will disclose information to government without a judicial warrant or just because they receive a subpoena and they should let you know whether they will contest a subpoena that comes to them. Many companies respond to a subpoena without objection or are even alerting uh, you to the fact that a subpoena was reserved that was served to get information about you. Some provide information to government officials voluntarily without a subpoena. Check about these things. Check if your search engine and other providers either delete immediately after use location, such as the Google announcement or other data about highly sensitive topics, or at least whether they give you the option of having them delete such collected sensitive information immediately rather than keeping it for three months or more. Now, this podcast takes no position on the politics of abortion. These are thoughts for individuals to consider as you make your own privacy choices about important matters. If you want to publish intimate details on Facebook or other social media, that's your choice. But realize that public posts can never be reversed. Finally, don't assume that HIPAA, that's the U.S. healthcare law that limits what medical professionals can share without your express signed consent. Uh, Don't don't imagine that this protects you from unwanted sharing of your personal information by data or other companies. They're not medical professionals. HIPAA generally does not apply to non-medical companies like Visa, Google, Facebook, your bank, or Microsoft. In our next podcast, I'll review how major tech companies are dealing with the aftermath of Roe v. Wade's reversal and how they're reconsidering their own balance of privacy and convenience, as well as their business models. And I'll close today, as always, remember, protecting your personal privacy begins with you.